Welcome to Truth Behind Travel Podcast. My name is Dolores Semeraro, and this is my weekly show dedicated to hospitality and tourism professionals who want to restart the tourism and the travel industry with traveler-centric tools and insights and jump-starting their travel recovery journey starting today. Subscribe to the show to be the first to know when the next episode, full of tips, tools, and strategies on travel recovery, goes out. Hello, and yes, I'm back. For those of you already following the podcast, you might have noticed a short gap in between the episodes, and I'm here to tell you what happened. After six wonderful years on the beautiful island of Mauritius in the Indian Ocean, I have now moved to Europe, and the last few weeks have been hectic, to say the least. So thank you for sticking around and welcome back. For those of you instead listening to the podcast for the first time, this is a show created to help the tourism and travel and hospitality industry to restart at its very best. And for this purpose, I often bring on experts, guest speakers to give guidance, insights and share best practices. So if you are working in the tourism industry, whether you are a business owner or running a company or a tourism board, this is not your usual Wanderlust podcast. In fact, this is where you get to know what the others in the industry are doing, what are they doing to stay on top of the game, and how you can do the same. Well, a lot has changed since we all, or most of, I'd say, restarted traveling, me included. And to have a clear picture of what the industry looks like now, we have to have a close look at data. D-A-T-A, data. Some might call it a real currency these days. And to some extent, I kind of agree. So who's better equipped to talk about data than someone at Google? On today's episode, I have invited nothing less than the head of industry at Google for the travel and tourism spectrum. He is not only working at Google based in the UAE since about 10 years, but brings a wealth of experience in marketing and communications and an inspiring entrepreneurial journey. So join me as I welcome Bilal Kabani, head of industry for travel and tourism at Google. Thank you so much for coming back to the show and thank you, Bilal, for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. Uh, Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Dolores. Thank you for taking the time to connect and uh, talk a little bit about data, big data, and the future of travel and where are the opportunities for the operators, in fact. So you have an interesting professional and entrepreneurial journey that I would like to share on the podcast because it's inspiring and it's creative it's brave. And uh, compared to what you're doing right now at Google, it's something that I think could serve as an inspiration for many entrepreneurs in the travel and tourism industry. How was your journey? How was your professional journey? And how did you, how did you come to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, I, I started my career back in, uh, I think it was 2002 when I started in, in, in PR and advertising. It was a bit of an accidental uh, you know, move into, into that, that, that kind of career. Um, my my brother was working in that industry, and it just happens that a lot of a lot of the 
interviews that I got with in that in that space. And I started working in in advertising on McDonald's of, of all brands. And I ended up actually spending a couple of weeks in a McDonald's restaurant flipping burgers and learning how to make fries, which was quite an experience. So yeah, I spent about three years in Dubai in advertising, then moved to Saudi, also in advertising, working on uh, fast-moving consumer goods brands and, and Procter & Gamble in particular. Uh, that's where I met my wife, funny enough, uh, of all places. Uh, and at some point, I want I wanted a broader exposure to business, so to get out of the marketing communication space and, you know, explore other other business functions and avenue. I went to INSEAD in France and I got my my MBA uh, with the with the plan of getting into management consulting and as a field consulting was known to be so diverse in terms of the exposure to different industries, different business problems, different geographies as well. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. So I, I graduated in 2008 and it was, if you remember, like a really challenging economic time back then. Uh, but lucky enough, I landed a job with one of the top consulting firms. Uh, back then it was called Booz & Company. Now it's called Strategy and uh, owned by the PwC Group. And tech was becoming, you know, such a big and upcoming space in the region around that time, uh, around 2012. And I remember uh, a day when I was in Indonesia working on my last consulting project and uh, and I told my wife, you know, I want to be working with Google by April. Uh, and and um, an opportunity opened up at Google. I went through the interviews and I ended up actually working with Google by July. So I missed my mark by a few months. But uh, but it worked out perfectly. So by July 2012, I started my career with Google, uh, which was my second career change. You know, first one was advertising to consulting and then consulting to tech. And uh, yeah, and I've been in travel for most of my career at Google. And uh, uh, at the moment, I lead travel and tourism for the Middle East and North Africa region. So my team and I work with the largest travel and tourism entities, and we help them make the most of Google technology, digital data um, to help them achieve their commercial and, and brand objectives. And how is that scenario that, let's say, the day-to-day -day intake of uh, that comes with the job changed over the past 24 months for you? Um, I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was big. I mean, COVID was, was such a huge, you know, force majeure on, on, on the industry that, that put the whole the whole sector into a, a sudden halt. So it was definitely very challenging in the beginning. And our focus really shifted from, from selling to really helping the industry um, remain on, on its feet. And uh, whether it's through providing uh, data and insights to, you know, to help our, our partners understand what's happening with demand, where is it dropping, where is it recovering, um, uh, to help them, you know, optimize and and be very efficient in the way they think about their marketing. So it's been um, it's been quite a journey in the past two two years. I have to say, quite sad in many in many in many situations where we we've seen a lot of job losses, a lot of people getting affected, and their livelihoods and their personal personal lives getting really affected severely. So it's been uh, it's been challenging to 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 see that, uh, but we've, we we try to be as helpful as we can. 
And it's it's great to be in a totally different place right now to see the industry recovering and the demand coming back and you know travelers being much more uh, willing to you know to travel and to go through whatever new processes are in place to maintain the or to ensure the safety of of, of other travelers. So I think it's great to see the industry recovering. I was at ATM yesterday, the Arabian travel market, and uh, as I mentioned to you before we started recording. Uh, it's, it's great to see such a, such a large number of people attending events again. ATM, for those listening to the podcast from other parts of the world, is a trade show uh, dedicated to travel, tourism and hospitality that takes place in Dubai, usually early May, first week of May, more or less. So at the time of this recording, ATM is at full swing. And you were in an opening panel just yesterday, as, as to speak. So, uh, you know, you, you've noticed the business entities and um, let's say, the business part of the industry coming back together, wanting to reconnect, wanting to meet again, wanting to shake hands and to establish that relationships that are really at the base of this industry. It is the industry of people, but not just the people that are staying in our hotels and uh, facilities and destinations, but also the industry of the people that moves move this economy behind the scenes, right? One of the main drivers of, of the industry today is to observe, particularly after the last two years, where a lot of technology has been, I wouldn't say forced on the industry, but many players, many stakeholders had to adjust, had to adapt and perhaps learn brand new, many cases, uh, how to make the best use of it. Why? Because the travelers, on the other hand of the you know, of the cable or the connections, were the ones dictating how the industry would 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 respond to them, right? So that the digital behavior of the travelers ahead of travel, ahead of the decision, ahead of the dreaming phase has changed. And I wanted to chat with you in, in relation to the current travel scenario. What are the main changes that you've noticed in terms of digital behaviors of travelers today lots of changes um, that we've that we've seen in, in the past uh, couple of years and, and and there are still changes to come probably that we haven't seen yet but um, definitely you know the pandemic has accelerated uh, digital both on the user side and on the business side so uh, you know given lockdowns and restrictions people in general, were forced into transacting dig- digitally. So that's why you see a huge boom in e-commerce uh, in our region and, and also globally. Uh, e-commerce was already kind of growing uh, as, a, as a sector and you know the, the, the percentage of people transacting online was already growing given you know, more and more people coming online and getting access to the internet and so on. But given the restrictions of COVID, that, that accelerated significantly. Uh, not only for physical goods, but also for services such as travel. So the first thing that we've seen is this this willingness of travelers to transact uh, online. Uh, and, and again, that's part of a broader uh, trend of uh, just a bigger appetite for people to, tra- to transact online. But beyond that, for travel and tourism specifically, 
uh, hygiene and and you know health and safety was obviously a top concern, which was never the case before before COVID. So a lot of travelers were coming online to search for information about you know how to how to stay safe. Is this country safe? Is traveling safe? Uh, what are the measures that I have to take to, uh, to 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 comply with the new travel uh, safety procedures? And how do I keep myself and my family safe? So that became an expectation, and that automatically kind of pushed the travel and tourism companies to provide that information proactively uh, to give reassurance and to give guidance. Not only travel and tourism uh, commercial entities, but also governments. Obviously, there's also a a significant increase of awareness around sustainability, and uh, you know, people in general became much more aware of. Uh, the environment and the impact of travel on the environment. And uh, as Google, we we started surfacing uh, CO2 emissions of, of flights. So when you go and you search for flights on Google, not only you can compare different flight options by price, but you can also compare them by CO2 emissions. And the travelers are holding the travel companies, whether it's a hotel or an airline, responsible for making sustainable sustainable choices. We've also seen uh, uh, an acceleration in uh, rural tourism. So travelers, not only because, I mean, in, there was also an increase in an in interest in, you know, vacations that are in nature or outside of the big cities. But I think with COVID, because people want to travel to places that are not overly crowded, uh, people started looking into vacation destinations that are outside of the main cities so that became also a trend that we've that we've that we've noticed uh, another thing is is around loyalty uh, loyalty became something that's not to be taken for granted uh, and in a way the pandemic pressed the reset button on the relationships between travelers and travel companies whether it's, a hot, it's hotels or airlines or OTAs and and that is both uh, you know a threat obviously to companies that are incumbents and very well established and have a, a large loyalty base, but also an opportunity for uh, new you know new emerging companies or, or or challenger companies or underdogs that are trying to you know gain share from from the from the incumbents. These are some of the trends that we've seen in, in the past couple of years. And in terms of sourcing information, when, particularly for the hospitality industry, I would say right now, because the tourism boards, when it comes to promoting their destinations, were quite, quite ahead. They, they really jump-started the process and they started um, the reassurance phase online, saying, we are this, we're doing this, you got this distance, you got this privacy, you got this safety. But within the private sector, in terms of digital behavior of the end user, where have you seen that flow emerging? Would it being on social media? Would it being on direct websites? Would it being on third-party websites? I can't really generalize and say, you know, people went more on those channels versus those channels. And in general, digital became the primary source of information. Uh, because of just you know the restrictions and and the limitations and even call centers became flooded and overloaded so 
you know, people were, were going online to find information. Uh, search obviously has remained a, a primary source of finding information. And you have loads of questions that were never asked before the pandemic that people were going on, on Google search and just typing those questions, those very specific questions uh, to get answers. Um, a lot of other people might have might have gotten their their information from from social more kind of um, as as a push content as opposed to somebody going to to look for a specific answer to a specific question, which is more you know the common behavior when it comes to search. With so, with social, you're you know you're going through your feed and information is being pushed at you. Uh, it might not be always relevant. Uh, we've also seen, I mean, the, the dreaming phase of travel has has never has never stopped, and in fact, it has it has even increased because, you know, platforms such as YouTube, where you can virtually travel, uh, also became uh, you know very 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 popular and very common for people to come on the platform, travel virtually, given they cannot travel physically, but also start dreaming about where would they want to travel next. You know, after the lockdown gets lifted, or after they can, they can travel. So uh, that's more, you know, getting inspiration and exploring destinations as opposed to getting health and safety information, which is more common on 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 Google search and also on many websites that, like Emirates, for example, is is, is a fantastic example of a company that has uh, adapted and provided a lot of very useful information on on its website. You know. You enter your destination and your origin, and you can see the safety requirements for you to travel from that city to that city. So, uh, in in my case, as a as a, as a traveler, uh, Emirates was such a useful online destination where I can go and find out what do I need to travel to this place or that place. As a frequent flyer of Emirates myself, I have to say I've used the website widely, and the accuracy and not just, you know, in terms of travel protocols and restrictions or uh, regulations, sometimes you kind of end up being a bit dry in in your copy, you know, in your tone of voice on, on your website. But Emirates always kept that dreaming phase and the, the, that stage nicely combined so that you don't just lose hope because that the, the level of information might somehow discourage travelers. I was like, ah. I don't want to go. That's okay. It's too complicated. Let's go somewhere else. But yeah. then, yeah, I've seen I've seen that happening, and that's a very smart and avant-garde use of technology, combining and taking into account what travelers are going through, what the industry is going through, and what technology we have uh, for us to use as as industry. You said you mentioned earlier that you've worked you work with uh, main orga- main tourism organization, so. I would imagine that some might, embra- might have embraced this process earlier than others. They have jumpstarted the process and placed themselves ahead of the competition. So I wonder, like, could you share with us a little bit more of, of what technologies have been implemented? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, data and tech came in very handy at different stages of, uh, of, of, of business or marketing for, for travel companies. And it varies from an airline to a tourism board to a hotel to an online travel agency in different ways. But very early on in the pandemic, uh, the use of data and tech 
as I mentioned earlier, came in very handy to understand what's happening. So just to have a finger on the pulse in real time and really understand uh, at a very granular level what is really happening with demand. Uh, because that's the that's the power of search as well. It, it gives you, you know, such a real-time view at, you know, how the demand is fluctuating and reacting to the pandemic. So very early on, we we worked with our partners to develop, you know, dashboards that would allow an airline, for example, to understand, okay, what is happening with international travel demand in the UK versus France versus Germany versus India? Uh, not only that, but are there destinations that are, you know, picking up and other destinations that are really dropping due to lockdowns or due to fears or due to whatever it is so providing uh, travel and tourism uh, players with a real-time view at how the, how the demand is fluctuating at a very granular level was very useful for them to be agile and react uh, it wouldn't make sense for you to invest in a your marketing dollars in a space that is is facing a severe drop in demand because a certain market has just announced a lockdown. So, so you want to be able to, especially given the unpredictability of how things were unfolding uh, in the early days, it was very important to provide that real-time uh, view so that companies can react. So that that became quite useful in the beginning. But it's it's also important to integrate that into the way you you invest your marketing and automation, for example, became such a, uh, you know, such an important theme for, especially for performance travel co companies. So companies like airlines and online travel agencies who sell, you know, who sell their product online, uh, it became very important for them to automate the way they advertise, you know, take an airline, for example, when you take the origins and destinations, combinations that they have, you're going to end up with thousands and thousands of uh, flight options that they sell. And to be able to optimize at that level using uh, humans, it's practically impossible. You're going to need an army of people who are doing that in real time and adjusting on a daily basis. So in order to do that at scale, automation becomes critical. So how do you really integrate the, the, the signals of the business uh, into the way you advertise so that you can actually turn off and turn on and increase your bid and decrease your bid uh, in a very dynamic and real-time way based on how the demand is changing uh, and, and how markets are uh, fluctuating. So uh, auto automated solutions without getting into the nitty-gritties and, and, uh, and the technicalities of this automation was a big theme for us. So how do we implement an automated bidding strategy that allows these uh, these companies to, uh, to to react in a very dynamic and in a very real time way, so that they can get the best revenue and the best return on their investment. And it all happens literally based on how quickly we click on something. It's all about how much we are browsing, how long we're we're posing on a website or on a subject or on a keyword. Uh, what do we search for? Where do we click? So all this behavior of the end user in, in the end is what propels and is what fuels 
this automation? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, it's also because the the uh, the journey of the of the traveler is so unpredictable. Uh, it's it's not a linear journey of somebody who who decides on a destination and then they go and they book their flight and they book their hotel and that's it. There's a lot of back and forth. You know, how many times have maybe you started with a destination? Uh, and then you you even started looking for flights, and then you ended up changing the destination and restarting your 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 search all over again. So it's it's a very uh, you know it's not a linear journey, and it's unpredictable, and it's reacting to what's happening in the outside world in terms of lockdowns. You know, I was traveling to Sri Lanka at some point, and I and I had my you know my bags packed and ready, and all of a sudden there was a huge spike in COVID cases, and all these plans have changed. Not to mention that there were additional restrictions imposed by the governments and so on. So all of these things uh, make it really important for companies to have their finger on the pulse in a very granular way and to be able to to have the infrastructure and the automated uh, systems to respond in a very dynamic way. I've seen a lot of bad automation, meaning a lot of, in many cases, I've while I was searching for information. And so uh, I felt frustrated by the lack of human interactions, like, oh, okay, this is another bot. This is another AI and on. And how do you feel the industry have embraced this step? Because have they, have they optimized it? Have they fine-tuned it? At what level is the industry now utilizing these technologies? In, so it varies a lot, right? It, it varies a lot. And we are in early stages, but even within that blanket statement of we are in the early stages, there are lots of variability. Uh, generally, the, you know, the companies that are born in the digital age are much more, uh, much quicker in implementing automation in the way it needs to be implemented. But not only that, I don't want to generalize as well. You have some you know, airlines that have been operating for over 50, 60 years that have also, you know, from, the, from their leadership down, have really embraced digital and understood you know, the importance of tech and data and you know, have hired the right individuals and you know, have, pursued the right, uh, have pursued automation and technology with the right mindset. So I totally relate to the example that you mentioned earlier, like, you know, calling a bank, for example, and, and getting their virtual assistant, and you have to repeat things a million times, you know, for for that virtual assistant to understand you. And it's very frustrating. So automation for the sake of automation is not, obviously, is not the right thing. Uh, it needs to be done well, and it's not easy, and it's not something that you just buy off the shelf. And it's part of a broader, a broader strategy that includes, you know, hiring the right people, working with the right partners, understanding the consumer as well and really like listening obsessively to what the end user uh, needs and is looking for and is expecting and i think every technology needs to be driven by uh, by by that in the end it's all about optimizing that digital experience that facilitates the traveler digital journey and makes you stay top of mind of the travelers when it comes to decision-making. So if you were to suggest what technology should be embraced or should be um, developed by, by the industry today, where do they have to start? 
I mean, I think uh, the first place to start is just leveraging uh, data to uh, to really understand the consumer better and to be responsive to those changes in demand. I think, and I'm just thinking about it now from a planning, you know, perspective, because uh, the first step of any kind of marketing decision or or even you know where to build a hotel or how to you know, how to change your offering is is really to to start planning and understanding the consumer better so and even for a like even for a small bed and breakfast you know in in, in a small village in Italy you know there there, there are tools uh, online that allows them to understand the demand and the consumer better uh, Google Trends, for example, being one of them, like going on Google Trends and just understanding what are the different search trends and behaviors of people in a particular market. You know, starting with something as basic as that. And uh, again, depending on the size of the company and their capabilities and their manpower, the answer can be quite different. What do you suggest an entrepreneur working in travel and tourism should focus on when it comes to? discoverability today does it have to be keywords and what keywords but the discoverability is really about understanding who is your audience where where are where are they where do they spend most of their time uh, and what kind of content do they really do they really value right uh, and then it's about you know investing the time and and the money in, in creating the content that that is is going to be relevant for them. Let me give you an example. Like if 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 somebody's opening a restaurant, uh, you know whether it's it whether social or whether Google search and Google Maps, you know these are important channels where people go to uh, discover new new restaurants, and also once they discover an interesting restaurant they want to they, they want to see a specific kind of content to decide whether they want to go or not right so you know the the google maps listing for example becomes such an important thing for for uh, a restaurant entrepreneur who who's starting a new a new place that's not yet known so how do you create a, you know a high quality listing that has amazing pictures you know all the information that's needed around opening hours um are there any, you know, COVID safety uh, procedures that are in place to make people see, feel safe? Uh, discoverability is, a, is about really being there where users are and providing uh, the relevant content that people would value. And it's, it's I mean, it sounds simple. And in, in a way, it is like quite basic. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's about also creating the right the right content. In the case of a of a small destination that's trying to uh, establish itself, you know, being there on YouTube with interesting content uh, is going to be also very important. And yeah, it's it's going to be about understanding what these users are looking for when they are looking for a restaurant or a hotel and trying as much as possible to create content that caters to those needs. Just to comment on something that you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, what's what's very common is for a marketing professional to think about content as, you know, what do I want to tell people? I want to tell them about my product. I want to tell them about my brand. I want to tell them about what I, what I offer. 
but there is a, going back to discoverability, what, what is needed is, is to understand what do travelers need and how do I you know, create content that, that can be very useful for them. And when they're going on YouTube or on Google search or on social to search for a particular aspect, you know, it might be how to pack a bag you know, efficiently, like what to pack to this destination. And something as simple as that, you know, might not, it might not be, it might not provide you the opportunity to talk about your brand or your product, but you're, but you're being very useful to that traveler and that create, creates a very special connection. So, and the other thing on discoverability, you know, not creating content isn't easy, not to say that, you know, it's, it's easy, it, it's, it's difficult, it, it requires uh, investment and time and that's where partnerships also come into play you know how can you partner with entities that can talk about you uh, on your behalf and really help you be more more discoverable uh, in the right places and help you create content that's that's useful to the people that you're trying to reach indeed and i've seen it sometimes this obviously uh, in many cases, third-party referrals, or uh, it really increases the the chances of being found where your audience is mingling and spending time online. So it's not just about your website or about your social. It's about where you are seen and where people read of you, not from you. If you compare the existing data and the use of data today for the travel industry. And then you look at how we can use them in the future. What opportunities are there for the industry? Uh, I mean, loads. And, uh, and uh, you know, this is a never-ending uh, journey, I think, with, with, with data. Uh, and, you know, across the entire value chain as well. Uh, but, uh, again, for me... The examples that I mentioned earlier uh, are still in the very nascent stage, so so those are definitely still big opportunities. You know, to to have the ability to uh, understand how the demand is changing uh, by market at a very granular level is very important. To understand how your brand is doing on search, for example, versus other brands, is very important. To understand when when customers go online. What kind of questions are they asking when it comes to a particular hotel or a particular destination or a particular, you know? So th- this is just a gold mine of insights, and uh, it, it just allows uh, travel and tourism companies to become much more um, intentional about you know their marketing and much more strategic and much more insight and data driven. So, so that is a big area, and it, it would it will look differently to, to to different companies depending on their size and their capabilities and 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 where they play. Then moving into uh, into marketing, uh, again I touched on this earlier, but how can you really implement uh, automation and uh, technology in the way your marketing dollars are spent? Because humans will not be able to do it at scale. So for you to be able to get to, to get the best return on your dollar, uh, you really need to explore automation and technology in the way your, your marketing dollars are, are spent and in the way they are allocated 
across different channels and and the way you know you decide on your bids and your budgets and so on so automation and, and bidding and budget allocation is is really important and then there is measurement as well which which we did not touch on but uh, you know being able to attribute uh, revenue and sales to a particular marketing activity through measurement is also very important and you know lots of solutions out there that are still early stage but one of the things that we've done with the tourism board is for example understand from the online marketing activity that they ran on YouTube how many of the people that saw their ad on YouTube actually ended up visiting the destination so like an online to offline measurement uh, measurement solution again all of that is to keep on learning and keep on understanding what kind of investments are driving impact and how can i optimize my investments uh, my investments better i mean it goes on and on right and uh, you know an, an airline that's selling a seat on a flight that's 80% occupied would be willing to pay a certain you know certain amount to acquire an additional traveler if the flight is only 20% occupied it's willing to pay probably more uh, correct so being able to respond to these kind of uh, you know these data points and 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 uh, reacting to how you treat your your marketing activities is going to give you a big edge going forward to you know to to get a better bottom line and to optimize your pricing and and uh, and all of that like these are some of the some of the things and it, and it goes even further to operational efficiencies you know uh, implementing technologies that allow you to uh, plan a certain let's say an amusement park or a certain attraction based on the expected traffic uh, and to you know let's say stagger your pricing or uh, uh, in order for everybody to have a great customer experience um, you know that that's that's also another example of implementing technology and automation to uh, to deliver a better user experience so thank you very very much for joining me today on the podcast it's been a great conversation lots of takeaways and um, all the best and thank you so much again Thank you, Dolores. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much for being with me today on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Bilal and you were able to take away some of the insights and some of the informations and the data that he shared with us on the podcast. If you have more questions or would you like to get in touch with Bilal directly, I will leave his profile on the show notes. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, I would love to hear from you, particularly on Apple Podcast Reviews. Leave me your feedback, leave me your thoughts, leave me a review, share with me what you think of the industry today, what can we do to improve and to serve this industry better? What would you like to hear on the podcast next? Get in touch. You will find the podcast handles on Instagram at Truth Behind Travel Podcast on Facebook at the Truth Behind Travel Podcast. And if you want, you can get in touch with me. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. You just have my name, Dolores Semeraro, on any social media, you will find me there. I'd love to hear from you. And until next time, be well and safe and see you soon.